Welcome to this special edition 001 from Why I Hate Trump to Managing the Madness. All right, how's it going, guys? So, what I want to do here is just read off some things that in my research I found. For example, this is from Town and Country Magazine. This is by author Nell Scoble, S-C-O-V-E-L-L. Ten things I hate about Trump. Number one, his signature. Number two, the number 45. Number three, the color orange. Number four, bring your daughter to work day. Number five, words like sir, hoax, sad, huge. Number six, phrases like when you look at when you think about it, number seven, escalators, stairs, ramps. Number eight, solar eclipses. Okay, these next two are bit are, are doozies. So I gotta, I just gotta let you know that these are explicit. So if you have children listening, and you don't want to have to explain to them some things, this might be a good time to pause or have them do something else all right so number nine mario kart in her book full disclosure stormy daniels described trump's sexual apparatus it has a huge mushroom head like a toadstool i lay there annoyed that i was getting fucked by a guy with yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character in Mario Kart. If you can hear Mario Kart and not envision Trump's penis, I am jealous. Number 10, vagina. Trump ruined my friend Susie's vagina. After Trump won in 2016, my friend Susie's cervix spasmed and required medical attention. Susie wasn't alone. In an article for The Cut, Emily Gould concludes her story about Gawker, G-A-W-K-E-R, with a visit to the gynecologist. Gould explains she first felt pain in the area of her reproductive organs after watching Trump steamroll Hillary Clinton in a debate. Well, I'm glad they're truthful about that. The doctor responds, Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of this lately. Women who haven't had problems in years coming back in. People have all kinds of different reactions to trauma. Number 11. Flushing twice. Trump regularly brings up bathrooms and the need for multiple flushes. Now, you are correct. I started out by saying 10 things I hate about Trump. And you just heard me read 11. So I guess that says something about the author. All right, the next one is from the Chicago Tribune. It's called, Do You Find Yourself Hating Trump? and hating that you've become a hater. This is by Mary Schmick. Okay, so here we go. Hate, it's the other pandemic. 
It's a contagious virus that easily infects people afflicted by the pre-existing conditions of ignorance and fear. Okay. Now, under the influence of the super spreader known as the President of the United States, almost no one is immune. Even people who have tried to resist the ugliness of hating other human beings are succumbing in ever greater numbers. The other day, around the time Donald Trump left the hospital infected with a virus that has killed 210,000 Americans due in part to his actions after he cockily and dangerously assured the nation not to be afraid of the disease. After years of his defilement of basic decency, a friend of mine posted an admission on social media. For most of my life, I didn't hate anyone, he wrote. I was proud of that. Now I hate Trump and his enablers. I hate them for their racism, cruelty, and criminality. It's so bizarre how you can always, like if I just reversed the word Trump for Biden, it would actually fit and be truthful. And just remember, they always accuse you of what they practice. If you remember that, then you'll know how to take whatever comes out of their mouths. I hate them for trying to destroy our democracy and steal my family's future. Man, that sounds like Biden, doesn't it? And I hate them for making me a hater like them. I read that and I winced. Not because he'd said something he shouldn't, but because I'd identified. I've never felt hatred before. Really? For anyone, including politicians, I didn't like. The very word hate feels vile. Hmm. And yet, under the, <laughs> under the tyranny of Trump, I find that feeling flickering into my brain. Um, that might be questionable, but anyway. I try to fight it off, but it's hard to do. Like fighting off a nasty cough. A lot of people can relate. I understand one person replied to my friend's post. I don't even recognize the part of myself that feels this way. I am angry that I hate Trump, said another. It makes me no better than him. I feel the same, wrote someone else. But our baseline isn't hate. I think what we're feeling is outrage at the injustice of unnecessary suffering. That a crisis exhaustion. It's not the same as being an amoral monster. I love how they justify feelings of hate when it comes to, like, anyway, forget it. It's nice to think that what feels like hate, wait for it, is really just exhaustion. But is it? Some dictionaries define hate as nothing more than intense dislike, but that doesn't do justice to the word that is our current contagion. Ooh, isn't that clever? I hate leaf blowers and pumpkin spice lattes and misplaced apostrophes, but that emotion is really just annoyance. And hate isn't a synonym for disagreement. Though the two have become con conflated in many minds, it's turned into a schoolyard taunt. You're a hater. No, you're a hater. Insult becomes a cheap substitute for a reasonable argument. Philosophers through the ages have spent a lot of words trying to define hate. So, really? Have they? Some say hatred includes a desire to harm other people, to dominate or eliminate, 
I asked my friend how he defined hate as he used it in his post. Hate to me means wishing ill on people, hoping bad things happen to them, believing the earth would be better off without them, he said. This is just my personal view, but it has a lot to do with redemption. When I say I hate Trump, I am saying he has done damage to me and the people, things I love, and is simply irredeemable. <sighs> Wouldn't it be kind of interesting to ask them what damage that was done? Like, the economy's better. You're getting an increase. Probably in your salary because your employer can afford it because of the better economy. You're enjoying low gas prices, which means you're enjoying low everything else that is related to gas prices. Oh, well, anyway, I digress. Trump has had a full presidential term to prove that he is irredeemable. Or excuse me, that he is redeemable. He has failed over and over. And the Americans of any political party who value honesty, decency, and fairness in a leader, that is very scary. Trump, with his constant assault on what we call norms, has given us great reasonable cause to be afraid and fear, especially when mixed with futility leads to hate. So you fear low gas prices, you feel fear affordable health care, you fear, I forget it. But here's some, here's one problem with hatred. It feels bad. It feels wrong. Have you ever noticed that liberals, their anchor in their lives is feelings? And that's, as we know, as is, I would say, scientifically accurate, an unstable anchor. Anyway, let me continue. Sure, there are people for whom hate is exhilarating to the point of addictive, but addiction rarely ends well. I recently read a story about a I'm sorry. I recently read a story about a recovering white supremacist who likened hate to a drug. Yes, because there's so much out there about a re recovering white supremacists because of the widespread problem. Anyway, you take a drug to feel better. Notice the feel again, he said, but you end up feeling worse in the long run. The hatred expressed by white supremacists is more dangerous than the hatred aimed at Trump and his enablers. But hatred is hatred, and it's never good. So there's a comparison for hatred. Uh, if it's hatred for Trump, it, it's, it's, it's not as bad as hatred for something else so shooting someone in the face is not as bad it just depends on who you shoot in the face but the fact that you shot someone in the face that's not bad it just depends on who it is okay let me continue so what should we do with these ugly feelings man feel 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 you can't simply tell yourself not to feel what you feel but it's self-help 101 Look at what you feel, acknowledge it, then look for healthy, helpful ways to feel better. It's an ancient truth that hatred breeds hatred. That's really profound. Hatred breeds hatred. Like water breeds water. Like humans breed humans. Like gravity breeds gravity. Let me continue. 
And it's an ancient truth that hatred breeds hatred, that hatred breeds violence, that violence breed, breeds violence. What we need now is not more hatred, it's an escape from the cycle. We need stamina. And we need to vote for the candidate for the candidate who doesn't stoke hatred. The vote is the closest thing we have to a vaccine. Now, this was written uh, October 7th, 2020, but don't you find it fascinating after what we've been through to hear that? In fact, I, before I read it, you know what I should have done? I should have just, I should have used Biden and I should have just started reading it. And then you'd be like, wow, that's a really good article. And then at the end, I'll tell you that I did the, the flip. Uh, anyway, let's continue. All right, so this is number three. Number one was Town and Country. Number two is Chicago Tribune. Number three is called Voices of America. I don't know if you can see that. Voices of America. It's called it's, it's Trump Hate Map, it says right there. And then right here it says, Report Incidents of Hate. We've seen the proof, or we've seen we've seen the proof since the campaign launch in June 2015. President-elect Donald Trump's xenophobic rhetoric didn't just push his fellow candidates to the right on immigration, but it's gone beyond the political world and injected itself into everyday life. <laughs> oh, really? And in many instances across dozens of states in a very violent way. Well, it's I'm sorry. It, that's how you're supposed to write it and read it. Um, but it, it's written here. It says, in a very violent ways, uh, is how it's actually typed here. So uh, there's a lot to be said when you write something or when you read something. You know, for example, the scams that come across texts or emails, you notice that their spelling is off, their grammar is off, it's not clicking. And you can tell that it's bogus. And when you write something and put it out there for everybody, it is a reflection on your intelligence. I mean, I guess we could blame the editor. But, I mean, this seems pretty basic here. Anyway, uh, let me continue. This map shows documented instances where President-elect Donald Trump has supporters or his staff have harassed or attacked Latinos, immigrants, Muslim American, blacks, so and other minority and marginalized groups. You can view individual incidents on the map by clicking directly on the Trump head markers, or you can click on the box-shaped symbol at the top left corner of the map to see a pull-down list of the incidents. Okay, so on the back, you have an email sign-up Keep up to date on cruel, crucial, excuse me, crucial news. Put in your zip code, your email, stay informed so that you can find out if the hate train is in your area. The hate train being the press, being the left, being liberals. Okay. Uh, number four. 100 Reasons to Hate Trump. So there's a book on Amazon that you can get called 100 Reasons to Hate Trump. All right, number five, it's a letter. Why all the hate? Was it Trump's successes as president? 
And this is from the Fayetteville Observer. Now this one, this is different. This is actually a little refreshing. Letter, why all the hate? Has it occurred to anyone that this presidential election was between love Trump versus hate Trump? Joe Biden is not and never was the issue. I'm still trying to get my head around why the media continues to denigrate our president. Some in the media are even suggesting blacklisting presidential staffers if when they leave his employ. Wow. Alright, so this article is also a 2020 article and we know that it's more than a suggestion, it's become a, a reality. People have been blacklisted. Listed. So why is it we see much hate from the media? Let's see, VA secretary, Veterans Day is about much more than shopping. Uh, in North Carolina, Democrats threw away their shot in state races. Trump lawsuits invoke Bush versus Gore, but Supreme Court probably won't decide election. Is it Trump lighting a fire under an anemic recovery inherited from Obama-Biden? Is it reducing regulations, allowing small businesses to be more successful? Could it be incentivizing manufacturing businesses to return to the U.S.? Perhaps putting tariffs on China, etc. Allowing American companies to compete globally. Or maybe it was putting just about all Americans to work, generating the lowest unemployment for minorities and females in recorded history. Could it be replacing a job-killing NAFTA treaty with a job-creating USMCA? Perhaps it was establishing a strong relationship with Israel along with moving our embassy to Jerusalem and solidifying the Golan Heights. Or maybe it was killing the Iran nuclear deal which posed a serious long-term threat to our security. So now, as I read some of these old articles and we know where we're at today, we know that this Iran nuclear deal is back in business and even deadlier than ever. Was it completely defeating the ISIS caliphate, which likewise posed a threat to our security? Perhaps it was killing known terrorists, posing a destabilizing threat to our troops in the Middle East. Or maybe it was bringing our troops home from endless wars that found us policing distant lands. Could it be organizing peace treaties with Middle East countries and being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize? Perhaps it was jumping on the pandemic and stopping travel from China saving countless lives? Maybe it was implementing Project Warp Speed with the pharma community to develop a COVID-19 vaccine in record time. Could it be his enthusiastic rallies that generated love and support from everyday Americans? Get the picture? If the last four years has taught us nothing, the lack of accountability for the, activi for the activities of the never-Trumpers from spying on a political campaign to needless impeachment on a duly elected president has created an environment for a presidential election ripe for fraud and abuse. Let's pray this gets cleaned up so that all Americans can have confidence in a fair electoral process. This is by Bruce Better of Seven Lakes in the Fayetteville Observer. You know, we live in a society where our long-term memory isn't very long-term. So I think it's useful to go back and read 
some of this stuff so that we can reflect on where we're at, how it's come about, how it's currently affecting us. All right, next, item number six on my outline. Do, do you hate Trump? Why do you hate Trump? If you're a Trump hater, why do you hate Trump? Was it one of the reasons I just read? Hopefully not from town and country. Or maybe it's the mean tweets. Let's do a Trump derangement syndrome test. So this is a TDST, a Trump derangement syndrome test. Okay. All right. If you had to choose between mean tweets or high gas prices, which would it be? If you choose, if you chose, if your answer is high gas prices, then you suffer from TDS. If you had to choose between mean tweets or open borders, which would it be? If your answer is open borders, then you suffer from TDS. If you had to choose between mean tweets or fentanyl deaths, which would it be? Again, if you chose fentanyl deaths, then you suffer from TDS. So what's your legitimate reason for hating Trump? Other than those ridiculous things that I read earlier. Maybe it is one of those ridiculous things. And then, then you, and you suffer from TDS and you should seek, seek help, professional help. Uh, anyway, so what, what is your reason? Is it personal? Is it economic? Prison reform? Did that upset you? Is it his arrogance? His dumb comments? Or it's because it's the latest thing? You know, it's like uh, peer pressure, right? You haven't grown up yet. You're still in high school suffering from peer pressure. Or maybe it's just because the media told me so. So I'll, if that's the case, I just have one question for you. Why are you still believing the media? Is it out of fear? Out of fear? Are you f fear of being canceled, uh, bullied, threatened? You know, when was the last time that you stood up to a bully? When was the last time? I'm trying to think that myself. Seems like all the bully stuff that I've been in or around was in high school. There was this one time where I was sitting on this dock, and it was probably 25 meters off this beach, and it was amidst a, a lake, and these dudes were on the beach, and I, I don't know. And I could have sworn that I knew this dude. I can't remember exactly what I said. Also, I had this friend of mine with me. He, I don't know. He, he was he was with me. He kind of looked up to me or what have you. We, he was always trying to compete uh, with me. Anyway, so I'm laying there chilled out, you know, on my back with my elbows down. Got my legs crossed at the end, sitting there. And I'd say to this guy, hey, butthead. I don't really remember what provoked me to say it or what, however it was. But I was thinking, you know, I know that guy. I've seen that guy. So the, these guys get in their boats and they come over to the dock. And I'm still in my same position. My friend's sitting up now. And he's going, dude, they're coming over here. Did he stay here? Did he run? And as they get closer, I can see their faces better. And then I realize I don't know these guys at all. Big fat redneck and his little posse. 
And I'm thinking inside, you know, I'm like, oh my God. But on the outside, I'm like, Mr. Cucumber, all right? You can't show it, you know, you can't show fear because that's what they want. You can't show that. You can't give them what, what they want because that only fuels it. So they roll up and I cannot say, oh man, I thought you were somebody else because that, that, that's pretty weak, isn't it? So I'm just like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? And because I didn't move, I didn't have any kind of inflection of fear on my face or timidness. timidness. In fact, it was just an overexertion of confidence that might have, and I was pretty physically fit, especially in high school. I was pretty cut. And we're just in our bathing suits laying on this dock. And and, and at the end of it, we just start chit-chatting. And, and that's it. And they go their way and we go our way. And there was no confrontation. So uh, I don't know why I just brought that up. Oh, yeah, bully. So, yeah, uh, that was just a weird thing. But if, if you ever have to be in a bully situation, don't show fear. Show confidence getting sidetracked again all right okay um what do you want out of america i mean i'm being serious what do you want do you want freedom prosperity wealth harmony protection let's say that you do hate trump do you believe in the current situation that he's being treated fairly you know, the FBI raid, the Russia collusion, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you claim to be an intellectual and you claim to be a logical thinking person, then your answer should be no. I don't believe he's been treated fairly. But if your answer is yes, then, again, you're suffering from TDS, okay? So is, is it justifiable to hate him? Because of who he is you know that when I was in Afghanistan this this guy who had a beautiful wife and beautiful little kids he got his vehicle got blown up and he was killed in action and when I saw the effect that it had on my fellow brothers in arms, it really impacted me. And it made me so angry that I actually hated the Taliban. I mean, to me, this, this was what hate really was. I hated the Taliban. And I wanted to go out and destroy them and annihilate them. To me, that that's that was hate, and I've never never experienced hate, or I may have thought I did, but at th that time that was hate, and that was that was huge, that was heavy, and I'm glad I eventually got over that, but. If we're going to talk about what really is hate, that was hate. Now, maybe these people 
I actually do wish that on Trump. And that's that's sick. That's messed up. I don't still hate the Taliban. I don't hate our enemies. I uh, well, you know, being a Christian, you're not supposed to hate our enemies, and I do pray for them. But I'm not interested in bending over backwards for them. But anyway, I'm getting off topic again. Anyway, that was hate. I wrestled with that. I dealt with that. I overcame that. But if you're like that, why? You know, my mom always said to me, why are you letting this person control your feelings? When I was young, I get so angry about something. Why are you letting, the, why are you giving that person so much power over you? So we should ask these liberals, why are you giving Trump so much power over you? Oh, he doesn't have any power over me. But then why do you continue and go on and on about him? You know what's funny is if the media had just ignored Trump, I mean ignored him when he left office and never said anything about him, I don't know that he would have ran again or even bothered with it. I mean, when your objective is to get him out of office and, you, or, you know, when your objective or your mission is to do this and your mission is accomplished, then you let it go. You don't keep stewing on it because you're you're done. You move on to the next mission. But these people actually suffer hard hard TDS. Anyway, let me ask you this: If the home of Obama or Clinton were raided, would you be upset? If you said no, I don't. If you said no, then I I don't know what you are. Maybe an unapologetic tyrannist. I don't like Obama or Clinton. But I would be upset if they were raided, um, you know, if the corrupt BI was used as a political weapon. It's still wrong. I mean, wrong is wrong, regardless of who it is done upon. Okay, so if you said yes, well, that's easy. It, you know, if you're okay with, if, if the home of Obama or Clinton were raided and it upsets you and you said yes, then that's easy. You're a hypocrite. Now, I know there's people out there that say it's some kind of hierarchy. Um, okay, but it's still a hypocrite. I mean, a car is still a car. It might be a Honda. It might be a Chevy. It might be, but you get what I'm saying? It still is what it is. It's always been frustrating to me when the ability to have a civil conversation is no longer available. It's just the other person screaming. I mean, we've seen the videos, we've seen the footage of rational people attempting to present facts to some of these young people. And what do they do? They don't address them. They don't accept them. Uh, for several reasons, they don't know what to do because they're programmed from their education, which is actually indoctrination. To respond a certain way and all they do is they just get louder and louder and louder as if being louder somehow affects data affects science but what happens next if we can't talk about it anymore what's next if you've ever watched some old footage from the 60s 70s people talked about certain things in politics 
the left gave the right gave the right time to respond and politely considered their answers that civility is gone so what happens next I mean if we can't talk anymore action well, what kind of action civil well, hasn't that been tried aka January 6 now I know there's some boneheads that pretended to be associated with MAGA that did things and maybe even if they were they're still boneheads but for the most part 99.9% .9 of the people there were, were civil so the but the message from the corrupt BI and the Department of Injustice says because of how January 6 has been handled their message is try it and see what happens so we've done our civil disobedience what else what's next well getting involved in your local government that's good and for those of you that have I absolutely commend you absolutely you are an actual real-life hero getting out and voting that's that's simple that's easy but while I'm on this particular topic I want to tell people that it is important to get out and vote but I want you to ignore this talk on the news about a red wave. I want you to ignore that. To me, that's reverse psychology from the left. In other words, they're going to put that out there saying that, that the left is going to be so steamrolled by the right come November that, and they want to build that up in you so that you'll be like, ah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. All right, well, I, I guess I won't vote then because it sounds like it's going to be all good. I want you to ignore that. All right, ignore that. I think it's a tactic. There probably is some truth to that, but I want you to pretend that that is not the case. I want you to pretend, well, you don't have to pretend. I want you to realize maybe this is the real-life last time that you get to participate in a free election think about that it's important for you to get out and vote and if you can get out others with you now suppose we do get out there and there's two things that will happen right there will be success on our part we'll take back the house and we'll be able to make some positive changes and then we can stand down in a sense the other possibility is that we enough people didn't get out and we get what we get or it's another 2020 issue where we got out there but there's another stealing of an election going on what's next after that I know for me, and I, got, I know there's got to be some of you out there that are asking this question, and I'm reluctant to talk about it because of the high probability of it being misunderstood deliberately and perhaps accidentally. People are always asking, when do we take up arms? I'm not an expert in the Constitution. I'm not an expert in politics. I'm just a Joe. 
I'm a soldier. I'm a grunt. I'm not a, I'm not a smooth talker. But I know that there's more, there's got to be more people out there than myself thinking about this question of when do we take up arms? Honestly, I guess I don't have, I either don't have a positive answer or I'm reluctant to give the answer. Uh, tactically, let's say it this way, it's not now, okay? The left has control, as you can see, of the corrupt BI, and we don't know how many other agencies. So now is not the time. We must wait until we see how the elections pan out. And I think that we will know when that time comes. I really do pray that that doesn't come. And to be honest with you, I never would have thought that I would be seeing times like this in our country. We've gone from the United States of America to America. There's nothing united about it except what we believe, which is another weird thing because there's only like 2% of the population, maybe not, maybe just even 1% of people out there who have the microphone and have the stage that force their ideologies on the 99% of us, which is insane. But anyway. Sorry, I'm getting distracted again. So for now, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through the election process. We're gonna be cool. We're gonna keep our calm. There's a lot of ideas out there floating around saying that all of this is happening so as to provoke us into action, so as to say, "Aha! See, they're dangerous, and they need to be put in jail." Like uh, the people on January 6th that are actual real life political prisoners in this country which is insane but right now the best weapon other than educating yourself and staying current is prayer we must 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 pray and pray hard speaking of prayer my mom was telling me the other day that there is a convention of witches meeting what's today the 18th so i think they're meeting on the 23rd of this month of witches that are that are going to be gathering and praying to satan against what we want if that's true i i don't i don't know what to think of that in the first place I guess I've never really contemplated praying to Satan for something. You know, I, I, it's pretty natural and normal to contemplate praying to God for something. But praying to Satan for something. Because the difference between the two audiences, the ones praying for praying to God and the ones praying to Satan, is that God loves us. Satan hates us. I mean, with a passion. He hates us. Because we're made in his image. And because he wants to hurt God. And the best way to do that is to hurt us. So it's just strange that you would pray to someone who hates you. Okay, sorry, I got sidetracked again. But we need to pray. We really, really, really need to pray. Um, taking action? 
You know, during the riots, I really struggled with wanting to take action. I wanted to go out there and I wanted to interject my justice. I mean, I want to call it just justice, but I realized it would be my justice. Because there wasn't any justice going on. It was a complete display and, and reign of injustice of people being murdered, burned, brutalized, and it being celebrated. It made me so angry. I wanted to go out there and interject my version of justice. And really the only thing that held me back is my Christian beliefs. And I know that may sound kind of scary or corny or whatever, but if you don't know, you know, I'm a soldier. I came back and I was diagnosed with PTSD. And that's, that's, it's not hard for soldiers like us to just think on that level. But maybe it's kind of scary to civilians to, to hear that. Let's move on. Let's talk about managing the madness. All right, this is item number seven, managing the madness. How, how have you been managing the madness? And it started, well, it's always been around, but I, I think everything has intensified since the, the 2020 election. Everything has intensified. How have you managed that? Do you exercise? Do you, do you diet? Do you have hobbies? Are you staying active or busy? Which is good to a point. Just don't neglect those, your loved ones. Uh, positive thinking. That's not a trait that I'm gifted with. Positive thinking. Uh, but hey, you know, if you're doing that, I think that's good. But how have you been managing this madness? What do you think is needed to manage the madness? Probably an anchor, right? Like a boat. A boat that's getting pushed around it doesn't have to be a sailboat I've been in a like a John boat fishing with a trolling motor and if it's windy and you're by yourself it sucks I mean it really sucks you need a second person to constantly be operating the trolling motor if you want to be able to fish you cannot anyway it's frustrating but if you drop an anchor the boat does feel it and it gets kind of pushed here and there but it never leaves the point of its anchor. So we all have to have an anchor, right? Because uh, we keep, if you're like the left, where you just keep getting pushed around, keep getting drowned by a wave, or the wind blows you this way and then it blows you that way, you're up and screaming, you're down and depressed. you got to have an anchor to manage the madness. So I don't know what that is for you. For me, it's God. It's simple. It's God. That's a pretty solid anchor. You know, he's he's not moving. That's a pretty solid spiritual anchor. Um, some people may say there's a, they call it a higher power or the cosmos. But for me, it's just, it's just God. You know, okay, um, how do I, what's that mean having an anchor in God? Well, you got to have a relationship, right? you got to know one another you're married you got to know your spouse you got to have a relationship but then how do you have a relationship with someone that's so infinite whose power is so limitless and whose knowledge is so endless 
how do you have a relationship with like with someone like that? I mean, e even if you wanted to use a, a human as a comparison, how would you have a relationship with Albert Einstein? How would you have? How would you have a relationship with Stephen Hawking? I mean, unless you're on their level, you probably wouldn't have much of one. But thankfully, it's different with God. You know, He's right there, despite all of His awesomeness. He's available to us on a level that we can understand similar to a tangible relationship that you have that we have on earth with your spouse with your mom your dad brother sister whoever you got to have relationships so what's that mean that means that you got to spend time together right i mean how can you have a relationship with some relationship with someone if you don't ever spend time with them talk to them what does that mean that means you talk to them. You don't have to talk out loud. I'll be a, I do talk out loud a lot. Um, just to kind of help me stay focused because I get so distracted that sometimes I have to talk out loud to keep, to keep myself centered and focused on tasks. But you gotta, you gotta invite this person or God into the conversation, into to the decisions that you make in life. Maybe you're saying, well, how can I treat God like a human? Well, because he was one once for beginners. And I'm not trying to minimize the awesomeness of God. I'm just trying to personalize it so that, I mean, what he did and what he went through means something. I mean, he became, he came down and became human because that is the only way that he, that God can communicate to us is through Jesus Christ. We're not capable of communicating with, communicating with God in any other way. But think about what, how would you communicate to an ant? You'd have to become one, right? I mean, with all your knowledge and all your power and all your giantness, you can get down there and, and whisper sweet nothings, but it doesn't mean anything because you can't communicate with the ant unless you become an ant. And I just think that we have a tendency to make our relationship with God more complicated than it actually is. I mean, if you, I think of, uh, I always hear Billy's Billy Graham's words echo in my head. Do you know him? You know, he he never pointed a finger. He never said, "If you this, if you that, you're a terrible person." Blah blah blah. He just said, "Do you know him?" Let's start there. Do you know? Hey, look at that cute girl, or hey, look at that cute boy, or woman, or man, or whatever. If you want to get to closer to them, you got to get to know them, right? So you got to get to know God. You got to have a relationship. If you don't know Him and you want to know Him, if you want to, if you want to know Him, then um, seek out a pastor, a clergy, a priest, another Christian. I mean, I'm happy to talk to somebody about it. But just know that we're on the same plane. I'm not better than anybody else. And we're just walking side by side. If that's not an option for you, then, then find a quiet place. Clear your head. And honestly and with humility, ask him for forgiveness of your sins. And actually mean it. Then ask him into your life. And start reading and listening to his word. A.K.A. the Bible. Now, 
I know that I went from how, why I hate Trump to having a personal relationship with God. It might seem to be a leap. It might seem to be a, a stretch. But honestly, I think that if we had more Christians, and maybe you don't like the Christian, maybe your definition of a Christian needs to be updated, maybe you've had some bad personal experiences with Christians, that's understandable. Um, so if you want to just bypass that and and just say that you want to have, let's just say you want to have a personal relationship with God and you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, then then let's do that. You know, if you if you have a, a disdain for Christians, but you gotta you gotta read His Word. You gotta listen to His Word. Uh, I recommend starting in John. You know, at the end of days, there. All that's left is your soul. You've heard about faith. We talk about faith. Everybody, you know, everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. It's not uh, restricted to religious or any religion. Everybody has faith. They have faith that when they get in their car, it'll start. They have faith that when they sit in their chair, it doesn't break. They have faith that when they work their job, they're going to get paid. See, everybody has faith. So saying you have faith is in and of itself meaningless. But you got to have faith, which equals understanding that you're in his hands. And then that equals untouchable. After all the fury and fret we often impose upon ourselves at the end of our lives, what? really matters it, I mean what really matters if this is too deep for you then I, I'm not going to apologize for it but um, hopefully one day you'll be able to circle back around to it before you meet your maker at, at the end of days all that matters is your soul we're blessed with material things housing money land property people and what have you but we don't have absolute control over those things the only thing that we have absolute control over is our eternal destiny and that is only made possible by what Christ did so if you think about it, there's you can think about it this way let's say there's just five things that will be left after everything is burnt. So let's say this is you, this is Satan, this is hell, this is God, this is heaven. You're in the middle here. So one day you've got to decide where you're going to spend eternity. You've got to decide who your master is. Oh, I'm the master of my own destiny. If that's really your thinking, then this guy right here is your master, Satan. Okay? We are slaves. You're either a slave to Satan or a slave to Christ. Or a slave to God. Bought and paid for. You get a free ticket, free pass, but you have to accept it. You know, we just don't understand the sacrifice that was made. It, it would be akin to somebody walking around to you and pestering you all day long saying, 
with a thousand dollar bill i mean a real one not a counterfeit one saying here would you take this no i don't want that no here take it. no i don't want it no no i mean it's real just take no i don't want it you know we're we're, we're thinking that 75 years 80 years 90 maybe 100 years is a big deal i mean it is in a way but compared to eternity it's not a big deal we need, we need to get back to god I mean, hasn't it been obvious the more we push God away, the more debauched this country becomes? And you know this. You, you know, it started way back. Taking God out of the pledge, taking God out of school. I mean, and it's incrementalism. Incrementalism is a beautiful tactic to work on your enemy. You've heard the story about the frog in the water. You gradually turn up the heat. And the frog is relaxed and chilling. Doesn't ever notice that at some point he's going to be bowled alive. These times are boiling us. It, it seems like this, as we go farther into the future, the road to heaven becomes more narrow where you actually have to make a decision that is going to make people look at you, that you are going to stand out. And you've got to be okay with that. Like I said earlier about the bully, Satan is a bully, but you can serve an awesome God and be protected. And once your soul is surrendered to him and you live for him daily, then you are untouchable. Yes, you can lose your house. You can lose loved ones. You can lose your life. But your soul is untouchable. And that is the only thing that matters at the end of days. Let me wrap up with this. First of all, are you a hater? Do you hate Trump? Do you really know why you hate Trump? Is there a good reason to hate somebody, period? How does you hating better yourself and those around you? I really want to know. And if you have somebody that's exercising hatred toward Trump or toward anybody, ask them that question. How does your hating better yourself and those around you? And I'm really, actually really curious to know what the answer would be. I mean, is somebody going to say, it makes me a better person? Is that really what they're going to tell you? I mean, so it's going to be fascinating whatever their answer comes up with, if they have a good one, or if there is even a good one. And then how do you manage the madness? What is your anchor? All right, well, this one went long today, and I, I really thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience as we continue to gain experience in this new field for me as a newbie please subscribe please give us an honest review please share with your family and friends and please stay safe